Where are you based again? So I am from Danville, Illinois, but I live in Houston, Texas. I just moved to Texas. Ooh, I moved to Texas in May. Okay, okay, nice, 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 nice. Well, look, yeah. let's go ahead and let's get started. Welcome one and all to another episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine podcast season eight. I mean, this has been absolutely amazing. And what's even more so amazing about this season uh, is the guest that we have on. Um, and this season, we're actually partnering with Ad Color when it comes to the guests that we have on this show. So that's really, really exciting. But welcome to A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. How are you doing? Man, I am so good, Justin. Thank you so much for having me. I, it's an honor to be on A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. My chief of staff put me on to it. He's like, you you haven't heard of this? So like right before I went to Add Color, I was showing him all the nominees. And I showed him, you was like, oh, that's Justin from A Dose of uh, Black Joy and Caffeine. He's like, you don't know? I, I learned that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. That is that is great. Well, listen, it was so great to meet you at Ad Color. And um, I mean, that's what this season is all focused on. So shout out to Ad Color. And we're going to dive into your nomination and how you found out about it and your overall experience and why you were nominated. But at the forefront of who our guest today is, they're really a marketing innovator when it comes to driving force in uh, for, uh, for, oh, excuse me, philanthropic advancement. Look at that. Maybe I need to have my caffeine. I'm over here stumbling over words. But what I really love about our guests is that not only are they someone that is purpose-driven, they're also an HBCU advocate. They're also a strategist, brand builder, and then also they're a foodie. So who knows? Maybe we'll talk a little bit about food today. Through their professional journey, not only have they been um, someone that's received accolades for leadership, but also they've received recognition from prestigious platforms such as Ad Color, Insurance Business Magazine, and Nashville's Post and Charge List. So we're going to dive into that, along with a STEAM Community Champion Award from American Family Insurance as well. So that is also truly exciting. They're grounded in a robust academic background from Texas State University, TSU, and they're a storyteller, and they're also someone that is really focused on uplifting the community. So with that being said, my friend, welcome to A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. What's going on? What's up? What's up? What's up? You know, man, I am so excited to have you here because um, I think that, you know, the overall state of HBCUs is something that you could just never talk about. And so I kind of want to know what made you, you know, take on this title of being an HBCU advocate? Where did that stem from? You know, I only advocate for things and I only think people should advocate for things that support and build other people. And so the idea around building extra leader is, is that while there are resources that exist for students who are leaders on these campuses, we saw a need that in a gap that needed to be filled that go that went beyond, honestly, where the students were on campus. So, right, you get student leadership, but nobody was teaching us and nobody was giving us the tools to make those skills transferable in a corporate space, in an entrepreneurial space in a um, equity space when we think about women. Nobody was giving us the true history and story around how civic engagement, the birthplace of civic engagement and civic engagement movements happened on HBCU campuses. So idea, uh, Excel Leader took all of these ideas around leadership, equity and inclusion through Excel Lead Her and vote HBCU civic engagement. 
HBCU School of Hustle. And what started us all was we pulled together these students to do these weekly webinars to help them be SGA president. So we would get on for an hour and a half every you know Tuesday and talk to these students about how to be great leaders on campus and how to illustrate and communicate that leadership style to the campus. So the idea around advocating for HBCUs came from the fact that we live in a time when black talent is not seen as equal or just as good as other talent that comes from other uh, institutions across the country. And similar to my ad color remarks, the, the line is clear. We get in the same education. They would not accredit our institutions and give us accredited degrees if we were not using the same accrediting bodies as other institutions. So if the education standard is the same, then the delivery of said education has to be the same to be qualifiable. So if that's the case, we need to advocate for the fact that these black babies who are in the schools, that the same schools that are across the, the state line, the street, whatever, they're smart too. And so that's the idea of it, honing those leadership skills, building community, and then making sure that leadership stretches beyond the campus. I love that. I really appreciate you sharing that, especially with the emphasis on uh, the students. But I would love to switch gears a little bit and talk about the responsibility of maybe brands or sponsors or partners when it comes to supporting uh, historically black colleges. You know, what would be, I guess, your recommendation and advice on how they could play an active role uh, with HBCUs? The biggest thing, Justin, authenticity don't come into a space because it's good for business do it because it's good for your values come in here right my mom used to say come in here and don't touch nothing right when you come in that's what i tell my partners hey come in here and learn first you come yeah. in here and give me all of your brand directives and goals that you're trying to achieve is great i'm a marketer i know we got goals to achieve but before we do any of that, let's assess the authenticity and the genuine connection that our brand has with HBCUs. And so the biggest thing that I can say, because students say it all the time, students say a reason why I don't go to um, a career uh, uh, event from said company, I don't feel an authentic connection. Yeah. So if the students are telling us and we're getting real time feedback, the students are like, I don't feel connected. It's because there's an authenticity gap. And the students nowadays, and I think social media has expedited this, but students nowadays get the they get a uh, a clear eyed view of these companies, and so when they see Company A, who was championing D and I three years ago, and they're no longer championing it, and all of a sudden it's popular and they're back on campus, they see you. Yeah. So let, let it be who you are, because when it's who you are, you can show up and they'll fall in love with you because the authentic, the authentic connection is there and it's organic. That's all they ask for. They want you to be real. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Nicely said. Now, one thing that I would love to talk about is community building and also your definition of what is a community. You know, I think that when people think about HBCUs, they may think that it's a monolith. But I can tell you as someone that is a graduate of Alabama A&M University, I know that there are set communities that you have within an HBCU, whether you could actually have, you know, where it comes to more of the, you know, the, the hood population, or you have the SGA clique, or you yeah. have the clique, or you have, you know, this weird punk rock black, you know, clique that's like doing their own thing. How would you define community? You know, Dr. Marcus Collins has a book called For the Culture, and I've seen it sitting right behind you. Boom, there it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the way into it, but I've heard a couple of his talks, and I think his book lays out a perfect explanation of how communities are grouped by culture. 
right? You said it. HBCUs are not a monolith. The way Howard operates is totally different from the way we operate when I went to Tennessee State University. Now, they're similar. There are similarities. But even at the school level macro, two different, totally, two totally different populations, right? But at TSU, you had international students, right? You had SGA. Now, everybody for a long time thought SGA just, everybody at SGA think they better than everybody wearing the crown. They walk around in the suit. They did all of that, right? So you got that population. In my experience, I think, and this is what makes my experience with TSU so great, I got to experience all of that. I was an RA. So I was coming into uh, intersections with all types of students, engineering students who didn't go out, right? Yeah. International students who'd be like, come downstairs and, you know, ask me for stuff. I had the SGA. I, I got to see, have a vantage point while I was on campus that let me see across all of the different cultural segments of an HBCU. And so to me, community is built around culture. What is our language? What are our norms? What, what authentically adds value to us? And so when we think about an HBCU, while, and to this point, uh, Justin, a lot of people think that black people are a monolith. This is just further yeah. that we are in, we are in subsets of culture with even in our own communities. And so when I think about community, the first thing I think about is culture because culture is what governs community. When culture is set over a community, that's what brings us together. We speak the same language. We, we kind of like the same things. And if we don't like the same things, we're in proximate circles. So to me, community is all about culture. And when we get an understanding of that, here's the thing, from a brand and marketing perspective, we'll be better. And then when we understand that from an HBCU perspective, we can serve our students better. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it's about, really putting the students first. Now, you know, um, I use this part of the show and this question as a reminder. And if you listen to the podcast, it's a reminder to our listeners to take their vacation. What was the last vacation that you went on? Because I'm looking at your bio. I seen you at Ad Color. I know that you are on the move. But when was the last time you just went on a great vacation? Don't judge me, okay, Justin. <laughs> 2023 was on. Oh, uh, listen, I worked my I worked my behind off in 2023. So 2023, okay. I didn't really get a vacation. What I did do though is I took the opportunity on like um, you know. A couple of days in a weekend and just stayed home. So that's my version of a vacation when I work hard. But this year, hold on. Well, yeah, uh, no, yeah, we're not, we're not, I'm not gonna accept, I'm not going to accept that answer, and I'm not gonna accept that for you. So this year, what's the plan? Because <laughs> this year I have a couple things on on the calendar. One of the things is I, I get to take a uh, shout out to the resilience initiative. Uh the resilience initiative uh gave a grant to Excel Leader for its founders to go on a vacation. It, all expenses oh, paid. Wow. They're going to send us to um, wherever we want to go. And we kind of chose this spot already, but we're going to go for four to five days. And I wow. get to go to the spot every day. Nice. See, see, that's a comeback. That's that is a, a comeback. Listen, that is a comeback and we will take it. So for the people listening at home, I think that we've talked about your organization through the questions, but please tell the people at home, the organization that you have founded. Yeah, thanks, Justin. So Exa Leader is honestly my heart. And when I think about Exa Leader, I think about how I needed a mentor um, in college. And while I had mentors, they were great. I thought about how many students don't get that same opportunity. And I thought about the kid who might not be able to stand up 
for themselves or might not know enough to kind of even begin to ask the questions. Uh, and I think that that's where Excel Leader shows up. And so five years ago, Tavon Jade and I kind of started Excel Leader with number one, the hope and the thought to give back to our schools. You, when you first graduate, you went go Bulldogs. You went to a you know a and m. So when you first graduate, you don't have all the money in the world to give a hundred dollars, a hundred and fifty dollars, two hundred. We didn't have that. We just graduated, and we honestly trying to find a job in a cheap apartment that looked good enough for us to in, invite our friends over. That's what we trying to do, right? So. At that time, we didn't have the funds. And so our, our heart was, let's start an organization that gives our time back, our experience back to the current student that is at our HBCU or HBCUs across the country. And so the idea of Excel Leader is how can we build community around leadership and around HBCUs that enhances and elevates the HBCU talent pipeline while also just creating community for us to exist. You think about, um, Texas A&M, they have like the Aggie, they got the ring, right? Every school has its thing. But what if we had a national conglomerate or a global conglomerate? Let me not give too, spill too many beans too early. But what if we had a global conglomerate of HBCU alumni where we could reach into a network of global HBCU alumni and find the power of what we can build? Yeah. Like, from a leadership perspective, HBCUs have so much influence, so much power, so much intelligence, so much brilliance. The vice president of the United States is an HBCU graduate. So there are no bounds to what we can do. I think we just have to find that way to come together all at once. And I think that what Excel Leader is doing is in the beginning stages of bringing community get together, empowering students to have what they need. Justin, if you think about it in today's day and time, it is still very hard for a black person to get a job in some of the spaces that white people do not have to ch be challenged to get jobs in. Well, let's dive a little bit into that, actually, because I think that that's a great point that, you know, um, you know, quite often PWIs sometimes are prioritized when it comes to uh, resume vetting. And so mm -hmm. what would be your advice? Like I said, this podcast is everyone from marketing executives to people that work and people operations when it comes to really trying to make sure that they're also, I mean, you also, you, you want to remain unbiased, but understanding the impact of having an HBCU graduate candidate that you're mm -hmm. talking to, what, what is that impact there? I think the impact is this. If you have a customer that's black, you should have somebody in that organization that can represent that perspective. Here's my thing. Hiring an HBCU graduate, be they black, brown, or white, because there are a lot more of our Caucasian cousins that are going to HBCUs. The value of heritage is what's calling these people to come see what this is all about. I'll put mm -hmm. that there. I'm not going to go too deep into that. Okay. But what I think is, is that, is that when we think about what HBCUs and what hiring HBCU talent means, it means that I have another perspective at the table. Here's my thing. Even the people who don't go to HBCUs that work in corporate America, they still have to be trained. They may not have to be trained as much. They have may have one or two advantages from a uh, uh, academic academic standpoint. But but all this is is hard work. So yeah. if the skills are not trans transferable from degree to the desk, like if it's not one hundred percent transferable from the degree to the desk, that means the only thing that we need to teach you is how we do it. And you got to have the hard work in you. So yeah. choosing black talent is not always a matter of is that person qualified? Choosing black talent is an intentional choice to say, you know what? I need a different perspective at the table. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. 
And this is why this person has won Rising Star Award last year and was ultimately the honoree. You know, um, this year, 2024, marks 10 years since I won the Rising Star Award. Um, you know, I think that um, Ad Color is um, it, it's an amazing organization. And, you know, I don't know, but um, when I when I won, and I don't know if this is very similar to you, it was actually my first time going. So it being my first time going to add color and winning, I tell you that that nothing beats that experience and you're always gonna hold it to that level for sure. But for the people listening at home, can you walk them through your experience at add color in 2023? <clears throat> so first of all, you in the in the beginning I said that I wish I can go to add color every weekend, and I'm about to tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I know it's overkill, but I love. Oh, wait, 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 wait! Say that again. I, I, I kind of wish that Ad Color could be every weekend. I wish it was a weekly summit for a couple hours where we could just get together. Um, and I think that my experience at Ad Color, similar to yours, as a first timer, um, and um, congratulations! I, you told me that you had the at the Rising Star Award ten years. That's a good anniversary. We probably should have uh, drinks to that. But uh, <laughs> but my experience with Ad Color, honestly. Um, was so thrilling and i think coming from an hbcu background you probably could kind of you know this probably resonates with you as well it kind of felt like that i felt like i was home and every you know even i even though i was mad anxious about this award because i was like dang i'm here to learn but i'm kind of nervous because i don't know i don't know if they're gonna pick me or not but when i got there i was telling everybody i said for this to be my first time i feel right at home and I think that's the power of ad color is that it, it it is so and shout out to Tiff and the team. It felt like I had found people who I'd been looking for at work. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I love my team at TG. They're great. They're amazing. Probably some of the smartest people I ever worked with. But to get to ad color and feel at home around people that I've never met. Talk about topics that were so uh, uh, organic and authentic to all of us and to make connections beyond that conference like you sitting here today it, it's just a match made in heaven for me and i don't i don't think we should reduce it to just being a dei event it's bigger than that ad color is an idea it's an idea and it's a proof case that when we bring people together around ideas that don't service us but serve other people that powerful things can happen ad yeah. color to me was probably one of the best conferences that i've ever been to and i'm not exaggerating I, I I cannot agree with you, um, you know, anymore. Um, Rising Star, let's kind of break that down, right? Because I think anytime you receive um, an award like that, you know, to your standpoint, you're really, really excited. There's so many things about it. Um, it's emotional. You're on this stage. People are clapping for you. Where do you go from here? When you think about your North Star and the award Rising Star now, what is your hope for yourself as you continue to ultimately rise doing what you're doing? Nipsey Hussle had a quote that said, the marathon continues, right? That's what this is to me. Reaching while we climb is not something we do. We get an award and we stop doing. If any, And if I be honest with you, getting that award came at a time when I was my most tired. November of last year, my manager, my director rather, went on maternity leave. So I was running Excel leader and I was handling everything at work 
that had to deal with PR and partnerships. I was the tiredest I've ever been in my life. At that point, I was on a plane every week, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. I was at home on average two and a half days a week. What that Ad Color Award did for me is give me energy to keep going. To me, it was more or less God saying, hey, I'm watching you. I'm proud. Keep going. I was tired. And so right after I got the award, everybody like, let's go up. Let's turn. Let's, let's, let's get tired. You won. Ah. I'm like, y'all, I'm going back to my hotel room to sleep. <laughs> like, I'm tired. And so the Ad Color Award, Rising Star Award to me was a nudge and say, hey, Arian, keep going. I know you're tired. Keep going. And I just, you know, I could not have been nominated against other um, with other amazing people. I got to look at their stories and the work that they're doing. But this award to me in that moment was like, keep going. It was a battery in my back for sure. I love that. I love that. And we want you to keep going. You know, one thing that keeps me going is a dose of black joy, but yeah. also caffeine. Every guest that comes on the show, we ask them if they could give a dose of anything, not mm -hmm. joy, because that's the reason why you all are here to mm -hmm. our listeners at home. What would you like to give our listeners a dose of? I've been thinking about this and it's been kind of hard. This was a hard question. This was the, out of all of the things that I was thinking about and listening to other podcasts. I now, wait a minute. I, you know what? I say this all the time. Everybody that comes on this show knows that this is the question. You got but here's the thing, though. I listen to all the, I listen to some of the podcasts, especially the ones <laughs> that you just did with the best of season of 2023. And I was just trying to like not sound like everybody else. That's be my problem. I'm an originalist. I don't be <laughs> like Okay, okay. Simple, I would give this audience a dose of purpose. This year, my entire goal with everything is built around purpose because if it's done in purpose, then culture is ultimately inherited and the work does not feel hard. When you when you live in purpose, things that you do are authentic to who you are. Things that you do are strategic. Things that you do don't always uh, subtract value. And if they subtract value, there's a return on investment. So if I had to give this audience, audience anything today, y'all, a dose of purpose, don't do anything that does not align with who you are, what you believe, who you want to become, the money that you want to make. If that job is not paying you what you want to be paid, purpose says, I'm going to push to be paid more. Advocate for yourself. But all of that done and rooted in purpose. I love that. I definitely appreciate that. And also, too, purpose is what gets you up in the morning. You know, that's what's going to get you to to really be able to wake up, drink that coffee. Now, a lot of people, and I don't think people realize how literal this show is, but I drink three cups of coffee a day. Um, so that's why I'm always on 10. Maybe when you see me at Ad Color, that might have been a few espresso martinis, but, you know... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> purpose, purpose, and caffeine definitely get me up. So 2024, I mean, there's so much happening. There's so many different trends out there. One thing that I would love to talk about is strategy. I think that everybody's approach to strategy, especially in business and what they're doing, looks very, very different. How, how do you approach strategy when it comes to your organization of building a strategy? Well, I mean, you can't see it now, but all over my house right now, there are flip charts and inherently unprovoked, unscheduled at the beginning of every year, something happens in me. And here it is, Justin, to your point earlier, after I rest, I'm so fresh. So last year, I was kind of like backed up because I worked so much and didn't rest. Then now at the beginning of the year, there are flip charts all around my house. 
And for the work that I'm responsible for, I break down in buckets of priorities over this year. What are the things that need to get done for us to be successful? Those may change in the middle of the year. That's fine. But at the top of the year, there are flip charts all around my house that I'm using to strategize, to write big vision, to blurt out vision. Sometimes you have ideas that don't need to come to fruition, but it's good to get it out. Because sometimes yeah. what you do is imposter syndrome comes in and sets in and says, ah, and then you get to ruminating about an idea that you probably should have just blurted out and let it get out. So that's what I do in this space. I give myself a lot of space. I use the grace that I have in this space to really just dream. Um, and the biggest thing is, is to look at trends. I think one of the biggest things that I could give, and I know that this audience is listening, use AI. You have an assistant. You don't listen. If we got to be twice as work twice as hard, we should work half as hard now because we should be leveraging AI. Y'all not saying nothing to me. AI is going to get put to work. <laughs> AI is going to get put to work. Oh my gosh. That's, that is hilarious. Okay. If we have to work as hard, we got to work twice, not twice as hard. I love that. Yeah. I mean, here's my thing. If we got to work, I think they said twice as hard, three times as hard, let AI come in and at least take half of that. Let it be a thought part. Yeah. And so- yeah. To your question around strategy for the top of the year and strategy for the year, what I've been doing is strategically going through my priorities and identifying what can AI help me at least get a first draft on? What can AI help me be a thought partner on? What can we do together? Because then I take my team really good ideas. Because now I've had somebody to really vet through it through research, through uh, statistics, through process, through you know, and of course you got to learn AI prompting and all of that. But I think the big thing ar around vision for me is putting it on the wall, write the vision, make it plain. That's what I do at the beginning of the year. Right. I vision. love that. Right. I love that. Love that. Well, we will take that writing the vision and knowing the vision. Well, look, we are 30 minutes into this conversation. So you have reached the point where I have a little game for you. Now, I don't know if this game is going to get you in trouble because, you know, you mentioned that you are an HBCU advocate. So that means that I know that you love all HBCUs. But from a culture standpoint and also being close to them, if you had to mention your top three HBCUs that you want to co-sign and give a hug to, what would be the top three HBCUs? I'm going to say my real answer first. Tennessee State University, Tennessee State University, and Tennessee State University. That's my first <laughs> Okay. I'll be honest. But my real answer is Tennessee State University, Howard University, and Dillard. The reason why those three are important to me is because those are the schools that my other co-founders went to, and they are the bear of why Excel Leader exists. So if I had to choose three of my favorite, it would be Dillard and Howard along with Tennessee State because that's our story. And I'm in love with our yeah. story, and I'm in love with what we do. I love that. I love that. I appreciate that. So I know that there were some things that you kind of held back on that you were mentioning that are coming up. But what can you share um, with the listeners at home about 2024 and some of the cool, exciting um, endeavors that you're going to be, um, you know, exploring this year? I think um, from a business standpoint, when you think about marketing in the industry, right? Industry transfer this year are still looking like short form video is the thing, right? So these are just some tips to everybody listening. Short form video is a thing. Continue to leverage short form video. And when we say short form, stop posting reels that are a minute long. The goal average watch time of a person is about three to eight seconds. So if you can get a 15 second video in there, 30 is great, but anything past a minute is way too long, especially for the purposes of advertising and marketing. Shorter videos mean short form, TikTok is growing, reels are important. The other thing is, is that people are, especially now when we think about, um, 
um, what Exoleader is doing is how are we leveraging AI as a small organization? So when I, as I start to talk to the team this year, we are a small team of about seven, some part-time, mostly our team is volunteers. So the co-founders, chief of staff, project volunteers. So how are we leveraging AI, right, this year to make us mm -hmm. work smarter, not harder? The same thing can be said in, in marketing. 82% of consumers are expecting in the coming years, right, to be in a uh, customized experience with AI. So they're expecting a customizable experience. Last year, 2022, the past five or six years, customers have wanted, consumers have wanted a, a, a custom interaction. AI gives us that. So on the nonprofit side, we're going to use it to be a smarter organization, to be more efficient. But on the marketing side, you want to use AI to get real in the weeds, learn and leverage and give customers a, a customized experience. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I mean, listen, we have been talking, we have been finding out new things. And I forgot to mention this for the people listening at home. What's the best way that they can stay in contact with you or learn more about your organization? So uh, the best way to to stay in touch with and stay in touch with me is um, socials. So I'm Arian J on all socials. So that's A A R I A N the letter J across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn mostly for Exoleader. Which I, if even if y'all don't follow me, go follow Exoleader. They're doing amazing work. Um, Exoleader is spelled the letter X C E L. E A D E R. So Exoleader, and that's on all socials as well. Um, follow us. And for our website, exoleader.com is how you can learn more about our work. And uh, if you feel like it, make a donation. I love that. I love that. Listen, that is the way to do it. So my final question before you get out of here, you mentioned that you are a foodie, which I am too. And I love to talk about food and also that you're currently based in Houston. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So what are the spots in Houston, the go-to spots? If you had to give us the Keith Lee treatment, what are the places in Houston that we should go to when it comes to food? Okay. Now, don't, now everybody that's listening from Houston, do not judge me. Do not be in my comments. Do not be in my DMs. I just got here in May. And I really ain't uh -oh. being here. Me. I, listen, Keith Lee put me on. Fast food-wise, I just tried Trill Burger. It's a must-have immediately. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, by the way, for those of you that are listening, I believe Trill Burger is uh founded by the rapper Bum B, correct? Or mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, simple. And the only thing, and here's the thing when you wonder, the only thing they sell is they sell like one burger, it is no customers, it's very simple, and I think that's a, a great thing. So, fast food, I would say, um, Trill Burgers, uh, comfort food, there's a spot called Grace's, amazing. Grace's okay. is good. Grace's is good. But again, Justin, to be honest with you, if I could give Houston like an award, it would be for the most food. Houston to me has had some of the best food and most options that I've had in any place I've ever lived. Chicago is number one. Houston is number two. I love that. And I take that. Listen, either you or me are blowing up. It's probably me. But um, I think that whoever is texting at the moment, I'm gonna make sure I send them those food recommendations so that we can have that conversation um, as <laughs> over over a great meal. You know, I've been to Houston a couple of times. And actually, one that comes to mind for me is uh, the Breakfast Club. But uh, I know that while that line could be very, very long, uh, I definitely want to check out Trill Burger. So, you know, I'm definitely gonna have to do that. Listen, this was super exciting. Once again, tell the people at home where they can continue to learn more about you as well as your organization. I encourage you all to please make sure that you follow the journey ahead because you're only getting started. 
Justin, I, I appreciate you, and this podcast is great. I think you know, I really appreciate you making a space for um for for especially black creatives, black professionals, black entrepreneurs to come and have a space to just have great conversation and add value to the people who are listening. So I want to start by thanking you for inviting me. I really appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. And I, I mean, you know, when I, um, I mean, when I, you know, you mentioned earlier about ad color and being there and it seeming like a family, but even when I met you for the first time, I, I, I felt that from you as well. So, um, I'm just excited that we got to meet there and also to, um, yeah, continue our friendship because, uh, and also anything else where I could help or be a part of it. Let me also say that maybe that's a conversation offline. <laughs> no, we definitely after we get done with this, that's what we do. <laughs> You know what's so funny? I always tell people with this podcast, I'm like, man, if I if I was to set up like an Oprah after show on this podcast, I'm like, I'm like, that's that's when the real conversation sometimes starts. But um, but no, I, I received that and I appreciate that from you. I mean, you know, we hit 151 episodes as of January, so uh, you know, um, looking forward to to many many more. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that. No, I appreciate it, and I mean that genuinely. When I met you, like you just said, like you would have people actually i think it was a lady standing by us i think she thought we knew each other yes. she asked me she said she want you want me to take your picture i'm like yeah we just met but come on you can take it <laughs> it's when we were, it was when we were standing at the ad color wall with all the nominees yeah standing by us. so relative to the work we're doing to, to kind of close us out listen if you're listening to this and you are an hbcu entrepreneur if you are HBCU leader, connect with Exa Leader. We are looking for people to come and to support the work that we are doing and to give back. If you are the HBCU alum that may not have the money to give back immediately, Exa Leader will be your platform to, to give contributions back to, to uh, your HBCU. And then we have our newest program, the HBCU School of Hustle, which is focusing on helping black entrepreneurs at HBCUs leave with a degree and an LLC. The goal wow. is to put them into the economy where they can create jobs if they want to work a job as well, close that, that wealth gap between us and everybody else. I love that. Well, you all heard it here first. A lot of things are on the way. And as you said, the marathon continues. Arian, thank you so much for coming to A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. And thank you all, our listeners, for tuning in. As always, stay safe and remember that you deserve A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Until next time, I'm Adu.